are you guys? What's new? God, I just put on some Carmex on my lips. Does anybody agree with me that that is one of the best smells? Is it poisonous? It's probably poisonous. It's like markers or gasoline, like all the good stuff that smells so damn good, but is ruining your brain. I bet Carmex is, let's, let's see if I can see the list, like the list of ingredients. Is Carmex poison? Let's see. Lanolin, Cetyl Estes, Therboma, Cacao Seed Butter, Beeswax, Menthol, some other shit. I don't know. All I know is I think it's the greatest. Anybody remember when Carmex came in the metal canister? Was it metal? Man. And yeah, the inside was that tub shape. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's so, I really like it. Um, anyway, how are you? What's new? How are you adjusting to life in the new world? Things are crazy. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It's just, it's just insane. Um, besides the insanity, let's see. What notable things are going on with me besides that? Because trust me, I'm affected. I'm bothered. A lot of, lot of things happening right now. This is one of the weirdest times to live through, for sure. Even when I speak to older people, like my parents' age, who lived through the 60s, people are all in agreement here, usually. Maybe you, maybe you disagree that this is even wilder than the 60s. Um, and it's got to be true. It's certainly the wildest thing I've ever gone through. I mean, 9-11 was awful and you know, changed everything. There's no doubt there either. Do I keep saying no doubt? Not a big no doubt fan, guys. Not a big no doubt fan, but I am saying the words no doubt together a lot. Anyway, point is, I love you guys. Uh, I am sorry for everybody with everything that's going on. I know I'm sounding vague, but I think everybody knows all the things I'm talking about. I mean, just everything's turned upside down. Everything's on its head right now. So, Let's talk about some banal minor things. I needed to turn the heat on in my car during an early morning drive to the doctor's office this week, and that felt really awesome. I don't know the temperature right now, but we're staying in the 50s and 60s already in, here in Washington State, and I am so happy. Who here remembers when I used to record from my Beverly Hills apartment studio, and I was looking out, I had an amazing view, some of you guys may remember, and I remember saying, I never want to leave. And it's so funny how extreme our thoughts can be and how then I can't, now I can't imagine being there at all. It's just not even a possibility that I would be content and happy there, at least not to the degree I am here. So anyway, weather is one of those reasons. I love, love, love the Pacific Northwest weather. Um, Another thing I've been thinking a lot about is how, how my need to be involved in everything I'm obsessed with is completely maddening. So for instance, right, I've always been like this. Right now, the current thing to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, since I'm so obsessed with Young and the Restless, the soap opera Young and the Restless, I, it's like every time I take in any information about it, which is all the time, because it's not as though I, I don't just simply watch the TV show. I then find old episodes. I read stories on the show, the writers, the producers, the creator of Young and the Restless, who, you know, and his wife and his kids. 
I mean, I'm so involved. I have a Soap Opera Digest subscription. So that describes for you the obsession. You know, I put them on my wallpaper on my phone, my favorite characters. I have a new persona. My name right now is Ash. What's my name? Ash Adamson Newman. And all three of those names are related to Young and the Restless. This is my new persona in my head in order to get myself out of bed in the morning. And I imagine myself as this like businesswoman, like go-getter, which is so not how I am naturally. (laughs) Um, But when I come up, Robin, remember, you're Ash Adamson Newman. And then all of those characters, which, by the way, of course are all males, all come into my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That is who I am. I'm Ash. I'm not Robin O'Neill. Let's do this. And then I walk into my studio and I speak to my, you know, pretend assistants like, hey, Tony, you're you're late today. You are going to stay late and do all inventory. Um, Marsha, good job on that tree, girl. I love the way you draw. You know, those kind of things. Anyway, so that's part of the obsession. But the problem that I'm talking about is... I'm just not content if I don't have some sort of ability to be a part of Young and the Restless. As crazy as that sounds, I really mean it. So I don't think I'll ever be okay if I don't visit the set or ideally get on the show, which makes no sense because I'm not an actor. But but my obsession is so great that unless I'm a cast member at this point, I'm not ever going to be happy. Does that make sense? Does anybody else have this? Because I've been like this my whole life. And if you guys know certain things about me, like I got on the Howard Stern show because I grew up obsessed with the Howard Stern show and I finagle my way in to be on the Howard Stern show, for God's sakes. And so... And I didn't even mean, I didn't want the attention from it. I didn't even mean for them to say my full name, but then that was a whole other thing. But I just wanted to be in that studio and look at Howard Stern and look at Artie and meet Benji and see Jackie and, or Jackie wasn't there anymore, but that would have been nice too. But anyway, the point being, this has happened to me in, I mean, And the weird thing is, is that I normally make these things happen when I want them bad enough. So if I can make something with the young and the wrestlers happen, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you want to know something weird? I remember this vividly. I never watched Young and the Restless when I was younger. I had kind of peeked into certain soap operas like Days of Our Lives. And I watched obsessively um, other weird non-major soap operas like 15 on Nickelodeon and things like that. And I was, but I was very into passions. If anyone knows that show, just look it up and you'll see what I'm talking about. But never the big soap operas. I remember when I was a little kid, my mom watched General Hospital. So I remembered Luke and Laura. Anyway, none of you guys probably watch soap operas. So I'm just talking about something that nobody gives a shit about. But I just remembered this thing recently where I one time got to be on, um, what's it called? The Price is Right. And that is at CBS Studios. Uh, If you live in LA, you know right where that is, which is also where they film Young and the Restless. So there's a little gift shop for those of you who get on the set of The Price is Right, if you get to be on there. I did not get to play The Price is Right. I was on screen though, I was on TV, you see me. Um, But anyway, I remember vividly having this obsession 
while I was waiting in line, you could see everything they had to offer at the CBS Studios gift shop, which I love a gift shop at a museum, anywhere there's a gift shop, I'm obsessed. And I'm looking and I'm so focused on this Young and the Restless tote bag. For some weird reason, I just remember like uh, just staring at it for, you have to wait in line forever. So it was like almost an hour or so. And I'm like, I need that tote bag. I want that tote bag, but why do I want that tote bag? I don't even watch the show. It wasn't like it was a cool looking tote bag, but looking, and I didn't get the tote bag, long story short, because I couldn't figure out a way to get out of line and get back over there to the gift shop. It was a long story. Anyway, and I always regretted not getting that Young and the Restless tote bag. And now, obviously, it's really bothersome to me. But isn't that strange that I remember that and that that was such a big deal to me? I'm just telling you, I'm so deeply connected to this show that I don't know what I don't I don't know what to do with myself. I'll have to think of the other things in my life that have gone this route. One time. If anybody, so I'm 44. I grew up in the 80s, basically, but I was born in 77. So in the 80s, there was a kid's show called Punky Brewster, and I was really obsessed with Punky Brewster. It's the saddest premise for a show. This girl's mom, the girl was probably like eight at the time, and the girl's mom just leaves her at the grocery store. So then she's wandering around the city with this dog, and she finds this guy named Henry, And he's like a grumpy old man and he takes Punky in and becomes her, you know, kind of dad figure. So anyway, this is Punky Brewster and she was really colorful and wore rainbows and different colored socks and shoes. And I was just obsessed with Punky Brewster. And at the height of the fame of Punky Brewster, there were you at the end of the show, they would show um, drawings that little kids had made of Punky. And I sent in, they showed you the address, and I was all about sending in things to whatever. Back in the old days of TV, there was a lot of that where you could send in a postcard or send in whatever. By the way, I'm constantly writing to Y&R too. Postcards and everything. Still to this day, I do this. So anyway, I wrote in, I drew a picture of Punky and it got on TV. I didn't have the ability to record it back then or anything, but I assure you, I was on TV with my my name and my drawing of Punky. And that was one of those, okay, that closed that, that issue was like, all right, I figured that out. Good, we're done. I got on Punky Brewster, okay? But so now with Y&R, other than just constantly writing postcards about what I love and don't love and think is fun and whatever, I don't know what to do. So anyway, and it's so funny because I listen to these soap opera podcasts now with Soap Opera Digest um, editor. And when they interview people from Y&R, Young and the Restless, they are they talk about the restaurants around CBS studios that they go to together after work sometimes. And I'm like, those were in walking distance to my apartment when I lived in LA not so long ago. I could have gone all the time maybe and seen them. Anyway, that's enough of that. You guys, I had a million other things I was going to talk to you about, but I'll save it for next time. I'm going to, this podcast is getting a little long and I don't, I'm talking about things that none of you guys are going to care about, but I'm leaving it in because this is my podcast and I can do whatever the fuck I want. 
So anyway, guys, um, I've read from this book before on the podcast because it is one of my all-time, probably in my top five, top three poetry books of all time. It's an Alfred A. Knopf uh, book. It is a Mark Strand. It's all translated by Mark Strand. It's called Looking for Poetry. It's uh, many translations of, uh, let's see, Rafael Alberti and Carlos Drummond de Andrande. <laughs> so sorry for butchering that. Songs from the Quechua is what I'll be reading from. Um, and I'll read you the intro to the Quechua poems. When I translated these poems over 30 years ago, I worked from Spanish translations. The Quechuas who live on the anti, sorry, altiplano of Peru and Bolivia had no written language, which means that the Spanish versions of their poems are in some sense original. The work of taking down what is heard and then transcribing it was undertaken first by priests and later by anthropologists. The attempts to bring into Spanish the folk poetry of the Quechuas has been going on since the mid-19th century and perhaps even earlier. One can find many variations of the same poem, depending on where or when it was first heard. But the important thing about these poems is that their emotional appeal is intact. They are so straightforward and so filled with tenderness that the fact that they exist here twice removed from their original versions should not be a bar to our enjoyment of them. I think that's a beautiful intro and always fascinating. And for any newcomers, so I didn't say anything, Mark Strand is a Canadian poet, translator, writer who passed away maybe three or four years ago, but he is my all-time favorite poet. And his translations are some of the most important I have found, and especially from this book, Looking for Poetry. I wish I could gift this to every single one of you listening uh, there, I've, I, I don't have this many notes in any other books of poetry. Um, it's hard to decide which to read. Since this week is an um, anger-inducing week for many and a uh, nerve-wracking-inducing week for all of us, I'm going to read to you one of the songs from the Quechua. This is called War Song. We shall drink from the traitor's skull. We shall wear his teeth as a necklace. Of his bones we shall make flutes, of his skin we shall make a drum, later we'll dance. Oh God, I love it so much. Uh, let's see, I also want to read a very strange one that I, not strange, it's sort of funny, it's direct, it's an easygoing poem. I love an easygoing poem. This will make, anyway, I normally don't comment much, but there's something about this. It's called Lovely Woman. Lovely woman with the beauty spot on your face. If you are single, come with me. If you are married, keep on going. If you are widowed, we'll see. Anything could happen. <laughs> it's very funny. It's very funny to me. Oh, my God. What's, I'll just read one more. Why not? Pastoral. I wanted a llama with a golden coat bright as the sun, strong as love, soft as clouds, unraveled by dawn. In order to make a knotted rope for keeping track of moons that pass, of flowers that die. I mean, how good are these? How good are these poems? I don't even know what to say, but I'm obsessed with this book. By the way, I will put um, a link in the description of this podcast so that you will know exactly where to find this book for yourselves. Again, I highly recommend it. 
I mean, buy books, you guys. Buy books, support independent bookstores, support poets and writers directly if they're selling their work directly from their site. Just do your best to, I'll say it, avoid Amazon when buying books. I know most of us have to use Amazon for all sorts of things. And sadly, it's the most convenient way to go. But when buying books, there are always other ways to do it. There normally are. I guess if there's not, if somehow there's a book available only through Amazon, then do your thing. But if you can just be patient and not rely on Amazon Prime for your books, then that's going to be great. By the way, I just ordered The Exorcist. I'm going to finally read The Exorcist. And I ordered it from someplace that's taking you know, like two weeks to get to me. And it's okay. I Do I want it now? Yes, because I just finished all the books. By the way, I just finished The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Remember when I told you guys I was very excited about reading this book. And I did finish it, and I give it a very high rating. If you're up for a horror book of some sort, this, this one is so crazy. It has one of the craziest turns I've ever experienced in my whole life reading books. So that alone makes it worth it. And yeah, and I love, I don't want to get into it too much, but don't fuck with elk because they will get you back. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, all right, you guys, that's it for me. Again, looking for poetry, translations by Mark Strand. Get the book. What else? Just be calm, be good. We'll get through this. There's a lot of shit going on. Put as much of the stuff that comforts you and excites you and inspires you in your daily life as you possibly can because, whoa, do we all need it right now. All right, you guys, have a good night. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. I'm Robin O'Neill's dad, Jim, and I'll tell you something. If I'm looking for something special for someone, I always go to robinoneal.com forward slash shop.